0: It's uh, such a privilege to be here with all of you this morning, and we're going to be opening the Word of God together, uh, so uh, that will be fantastic. We are still in the series of John, and uh, this, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, we had a little game in our live group, and I was saying to them, let's, let's have a little game. Let's guess how, for how many Sundays we've been preaching on John. And they, they kind of did well. I think they more or less guessed, uh, didn't give any prizes out that night. Um, but uh, believe it or not, we, today will be the 20th week. So it's been 20 weeks preaching on John. It hasn't been a, a privilege, don't you think? In this series, many times, let's, let's go straight into it. In this series, many times, God, Jesus has said, um, I am. And he has shown us, show, shown us uh, what he does. And what he does, he does in a full, complete, perfect, and effective way. And he has actually told us as well and show, shown us everything that he is. And he is everything that he is. He is in a full, complete, perfect, and holy way. Jesus has uh, told us about his character. If you remember when we, the, the, they were in the storm, the disciples were in the storm. And Jesus said they were afraid. And they said, he said, you know what? I am. Just, just don't worry. He has told us about his protection and his love when he says i am the good shepherd he has invited us through this series to follow him when he says come because i am the door i am the way i am the light of the world we have heard about all of those things today he is not just inviting us inviting us to go through the door or to follow him he is going to be inviting us to remain in him, That's what we're going to be talking about and what Jesus wants to say to all of us. Remain in me. Now, one thing is to really understand what, uh, you know, Jesus does. Everyone can understand that. But another thing is to understand who he is. And really our confidence in what he does, it should be always rooted on who he He is. There are seven I am statements in the book of John. Uh, And two weeks ago, if you remember when we got together here, Matthew Ashton was preaching about the I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about the last of the I am statements, which is I am the true vine. So please open your Bibles, page number uh, 1083, 1083. We're, being, we're going to be reading uh, in John 15, from verse 1 to 11. That's what we're going to be focusing in. We're going to read the whole chunk together, and then we're going to um, see if we, little by little, verse by verse, we can um, talk about it. But before that, before that, before Becky... Becky's uh, such a good helper. She's already ready there to read. But um, just give me 30 seconds. Before that, just let me give you a little bit of context about where we are. Since chapter 13, Jesus has been with the disciples, talking to them, all right? And he's pouring himself into them. And because the last and final moments are coming soon. Probably here we are within the last 24 hours. And Jesus is, is talking To the disciples you know it's very close to the point that jesus is going to be arrested and not just arrested but after that he's going to be slaughtered and put on a cross so let's just remember this while we read thank you
1: i am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete.
0: Thank you. So verse, verse one, let's go to verse one again. It says, I am the true vine. We, we don't live in a, in a culture, or in a, you know, our city, we don't have lots of great vines around. So uh, probably we uh, don't understand um, a lot in terms of or feel the same as the, the guys that Jesus is talking to um, about the vines. We don't probably don't feel the same. We're not, you know, are probably amazed in the same in the same way. The, this this culture where Jesus was living in, that the grapevines were all over, and it was actually something very important for the culture. Uh, but uh, apart from that, as well, there is there is a lot of. Um, meaning behind this phrase, I am the true vine, because those guys uh, probably were thinking as well about the meaning that this vine had in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is, is, is full of references to the vine, and usually this imagery of the vine was used towards the people of Israel. In those times, if you came across with, came across with an imagery of someone or something being divine, it was always referred to the people of God. But every time, every time, and sadly, this reference to the vine has always had like a little bit of a negative connotation. Because in the Old Testament, when Israel was divine, you know, it was, it was kind of always accompanied by a declaration of... Well, you're not doing really well. You're not giving the fruit that you should be giving. Therefore, God um, you know, uh, is, is you know, producing the fruit that God uh, is expecting from you. So, so when you had the vine terminology in the first century, if you were an Israelite in those times, those, it was it's a, almost a pronouncement of judgment. But Jesus is doing what he always do here, and we, you know, we, through, we read all the, all the Gospels, and we know what Jesus liked the most was to turn things upside down. And here, what he's saying is like, guys, I am the true vine. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to do, and I'm doing what you cannot do. I'm being, and I'm, I am what you haven't been able to be. You haven't been able to be fruitful in the way that pleases God. But don't worry. I am here. I'm the true vine. So Jesus is actually rescuing all of those images of failure. No matter how hard they work. No matter how hard they tried. They always fell short. But Jesus is saying, no, I am here. I'm the true vine. you know the true vine. The type of fruitfulness that pleases the Lord that you haven't been able to produce. And listen to this on your own. I will now make possible for you through me. That's what's happening here. So that's verse 1. Today I would like to split the preach in three sections. Number one will be pruning, cleansing, and fruit. The next one will be making a home in Jesus. And the last one will be love, obedience, and joy. And hopefully we're going to put all those three together at the end. So, number one, let's go back to verse 2. If you open your Bibles, let's read verse 2 again. And it says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it, bear, that it may bear more fruit. So, to be a Christian is to bear fruit. But when we, when we start thinking about that, it's inevitable that we're going to start thinking about, okay, well, what is fruit? What kind of fruit? So that fruit, the way that we define fruit, matters. If we define fruit in an external, moral, or religious way, well, we're not better than the Pharisees that were around Jesus at the time. It was all a show, but there was nothing, nothing inside. Jesus doesn't define fruit in that way. The goal for spiritual growth is not that we become morally better people, but that we actually depend, and remember this word, depend more on Jesus and on the gospel. So he says here that the branches are going to be pruned. So pruning, why is pruning so important? I'm going to show you a little video um, so we got a little bit of context in terms of gardening.
2: I'm Paul Cattell, team leader for edibles here at RHS Garden Wisley. I'm going to give you some tips today on seasonal pruning of outdoor vines. Many people grow them in their gardens great over a pergola or over arches as we have them here at Wisley. They put on a lot of growth at this time of year and to get good quality grapes, and to keep them disease-free, we need to make sure we're on top of a bit of seasonal pruning. With a few tips, we're going to look at what you need to do to keep it in check to give you that good fruit later in the year. So it's mid-June. The grapes have already put on a bit of growth, and we've done some initial pruning, where we have to control the vigour of the grapes. If we didn't do anything, we'd have leaves everywhere, shoots everywhere. we would be quite a tangled mess. That raises the chance of having disease setting in, get mildew and then later botrytis on the grape bunches. And we'll produce a lot of grapes that will tend to be quite small and perhaps overstretch the vine so that next year it doesn't produce so much. So by doing a bit of pruning, we regulate the crop, we reduce the chance of disease and we create a nice healthy plant with good sized grapes for this year and for future years.
0: Excellent, so you can see that I'm not gardening myself. Uh, in fact, more things I try to uh, grow dies very quickly, but this video was uh, is very interesting. because You can see that what the benefits of pruning is, is that the plants can grow into a total mess, and the fruit is going to actually be really small. Diseases can come, and sometimes even when we think that pruning could be painful for the plants, we actually plant helping the plants to be healthier. So. God does exactly the same for us and with us. He prunes us and cleanses us. He cuts away everything that he, you know, that anything that keeps us from depending or more on Him. Sometimes, you know, there are not necessarily bad things. We can say, okay, that they could be good things. That, but we make things into God things with small g, like money, jobs. Family, intimacy, all of those things can actually become idols in our lives. You know, all of those branches are growing uh, in, a, in a not useful way. Idols that need to be cut away. So we don't depend on these things, but we depend more on Jesus. That's part of the pruning that the Lord is doing in us. Now, why would the Lord prune what is fruitful? Well, we just read it, so we can bear even more fruit. Bear more of what? Bear more of what? What does it mean to be fruitful? Does it mean that we're going to be, you know, really awesome in our works? That we're going to have the best salaries, the best careers, that we're never going to get sick, that everyone is going to love us no matter what? I don't think that's the kind of fruit that we are talking about. And just leave, give, me, give you an example fairly quickly in Galatians 5, 22, 23. Don't go, don't go to your Bible, but I'm going to read it. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's singular, the fruit, not fruits, is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, f- faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So he's pruning us, the Lord is pruning us so we can grow in these areas. And the reason it's a singular, not a plural, is because we need to grow in them symmetrically. Okay, it doesn't work if you take one out of the equation. Just to give you an example, if you lack of patience, probably you're not loving. If you lack of joy, probably you're you're lacking in kindness. And if you lack of goodness, probably you're not faithfulness. You're not you, yeah you're lacking on faithfulness, so the Lord, in His kindness prunes us so that you and I can grow in these areas. The Lord prunes and we grow. the Lord prunes and we grow. I'm going to say the Lord prunes and you say we grow. the Lord prunes exactly, the Lord prunes and we grow so Jesus is saying, you know what? I am what you couldn't be, but I'm going to grow you in who I am. And who I am? Who am I? I'm the perfect love. I'm perfect joy. I'm perfect peace. I'm perfect kindness. I'm perfect goodness. I'm perfect faithfulness. I'm perfect gentleness. And I have perfect self-control. So I'm going to grow you in these areas. How? I'm going to prune you a little bit. And that's encouraging. And just let me quickly give you a list about all the things that good fruit or how good fruit is seen in. Seen, like S-E-E-N. A change in our disposition, attitudes and affections. Those things that we love before, we don't love anymore. We begin to love others with the love of Christ. We more easily forgive. As we are given the opportunity, we seek to do good to everyone else. We exercise our spiritual gift for the building of the body. Two weeks ago, we had a worship night here. And Nathaniel was saying, bring your spiritual b- b- gifts so we can all benefit from it. We are grateful and give praise to God. We seek to do all things for His glory. We confess our sins to God and pray for His continued work in us. We strive to know God and to do things which please Him, knowing that we cannot bear fruit in ourselves and you cannot bear fruit apart from Him. So now, let's be careful here, because I just gave you a a big list. And if you didn't make notes, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't memorize that, how I'm going to check if my fruit is good, you don't need to worry about it. Because being a fruitful Christian is not accomplished by checking off a to-do list, but by having an essential being and character changed, and renewed, and little by little conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. To be fruitful means to follow Christ. Simple as that. To, to love what He loves. Listen to this. To love what He loves. To do what He commands us to do from a loving motive and place with a joyful spirit. So we don't really need a list. It's all these things. It is by God's grace and our abiding and remaining in Christ that we produce good fruit. We just read with Becky in verses 4 and 5. The fruit is good because, guess what? God is good. We cannot do this in our own strength. We simply can't. We need Jesus. And we need to remain in Him. We'll be pruned. It will be painful. But it will be good for us at the end. Just as it's good for the, for the vines that we just saw in the video. Now, let's read verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remember, the section that we are in is um, uh, pruning, cleansing, and fruit. So you are clean because of the word. You are clean and kept clean because you believe in my word. That's what Jesus is saying. Not for what you've done, not for your sufferings, but for my words. I have spoken to you and you have believed. And that is the whole point of the the series that we're doing. So we might believe what I said to you about who I am. And Jesus is saying here here's who I am I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. I'm the only one that can save you from your sins, that can give you eternal life. And you know what? These guys there, they believed. And because they believe, not because what they did, their life have been transformed, they have been changed. It's been three years. With the word of Jesus going through their hearts, working grace in them and all the corruption out. That's what the word of Jesus does. It cleanses from the inside out. Doubt and fear are going to come to these guys very, very soon. But they clean by believing in Jesus. They are just 24 hours away. 24 hours away. Some of them are going to betray Jesus as well. But today, Jesus has reminded us, let's just stay in his word. We're going to be fruitful, we're going to be pruned, but we're going to be cleansed as well in his word. Number two, making a home in Jesus. Let's all go back to our Bibles and let's read 4, 5, and 6. And He says, abide in me. Probably in your Bible says, remain in me. I'm just reading another version. I didn't bring my glasses, so I need my phone with big letters. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do nothing. If anyone ...doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. I was reading a commentary in John. I forgot the first name, but his surname is Bruna. And I love the way he puts it in, 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 in this, these verses. And he says later, I'm going to read it for you. It says, make your home with me as I am with you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit all by itself... Unless it makes its home with the root and the trunk, no more can you bear fruit unless you make, sorry, no more can you bear fruit unless you make home with me. Don't you think that's a beautiful way to put it? Making home in Jesus, making home in Him. And how do we make home in Jesus? Well, we make home by celebrating uh, communion. Uh, Very soon, John is going to be leading us on partaking of the communion with bread and wine. When we do that, we're making a home in Jesus. Uh, we um, making a home in Jesus when we remain in His words, by loving one another, celebrating baptisms, celebrating the proclamation of the gospel. And that way, we're making a home in Jesus. How, how amazing is that? Just Just stop for a moment and think, On how amazing is that? Making a home with Jesus. That implies a union with Him. A union with Christ. I am in Him. Just savor this. And He is in me. He lives in me and I live in Him. He remains in me and I remain in Him. I make a home in me, Jesus says. This also infers that intimacy that we have in Christ. And Vicky and, and, and John and Paul, they were mentioning some words I wanted to highlight as well. That, you know, we are welcome. That we are approved. That we are delighted in. How beautiful is that? Think about it. That we are welcome and delighted in. And sometimes that is so difficult to believe, is it? It could be too good to be true. Because How? How someone like me can actually really be welcome? How can someone like me can actually be loved and approved? That's just impossible. Well, the other day we were having a chat with uh, with Becky about uh, beautiful teenager uh, relationships, and uh, you know how it, how it goes. We we talk about deep things, really deep conversations, Becky. Um, And you know how how it starts, you know, teenagers come to church and, you know, suddenly you look uh, across the hall, there she is, start talking, suddenly sitting together, you know, going to all the meetings together, worship nights, so good, so joy, so delight, and suddenly something happens, the relationship breaks, and what happens, someone hurts the other, and what do we tend to do? Well, we tend to avoid that person that we believe we offended or we hurt somehow. And, you know, you see that the, the girl starts sitting in that corner with Liz is, And the boy starts sitting here with Phil. Suddenly, there's a little bit of, you know, bad things going on. Because that's nature. That's human nature. We, when we believe that we have offended, that we have hurt someone, we tend to avoid. We tend to run away. See Adam and Eve in the, in the garden of Eden. They don't eat from that thing. They did. What happened? What did they do? Hide. They didn't want to see God. They didn't want to go to them. They actually were running away from him. So, you know, suddenly from, you know, that goodness and joy and delight, now there is avoidance. And I think it's amazing what's happening here. Jesus is saying, Listen. If you abide in me, and I abide in you, he's saying, you're welcome and delighted in. There is no reason for you to avoid me. There's no reason for you to run away. How often people think that they have to go clean to come and approach the Lord. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, you know what? Jesus is not asking you to clean yourself to come up. He's asking you to come up so he can clean you up. And we are welcome as we are. No matter what we've done, we are invited to make a home in Jesus. I just love that phrase. If we could ever grasp what does does that mean. And His love. And uh, I found I was... um, Helping Liam to clean his room. I wasn't cleaning his room, I was helping him to clean his room. Let's just put that straight. And I I found this beautiful booklet, actually, it's called uh, Peter, a life lived following Jesus uh, from Gateway Youth. So, Hannah, well done. I don't know who was involved in this, but I thought it was really cool. I just read it, and I thought, I love it. We could, we could change the title to Peter, A Life Remaining in Jesus. Or we could change it as well to Peter, A Life Making a Home in Jesus. That's just wonderful. So I was just reading a little bit inside, and uh, I thought it was really cool. So keep doing this with our youth is is just amazing, um, but what a what a better example that what we're talking about here to to actually really understand the love of Jesus than, than Peter? You remember this guy? Matthew has mentioned Peter several times here. We know that guy is a very explosive guy, and he you know likes to do things in a in a very Latin American way, and he's he's just there all the time. But you know, this is 24 hours before Jesus goes to the cross. And he saying, you know, I love you guys and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Peter, you're going to uh, betray me. You're going to deny that you know me three times before the cock crow sings in the morning. No! Never! I would never do that. Maybe this guy or maybe this guy, but I wouldn't do it. Oh, Peter, you will. You will do it. No! I would die before. And to give credit to Peter, you know, the soldiers came and he grabbed the the sword. And probably the sword was really heavy because the only thing that he could do is is this. Because it was only the ear that he went for. But, and and everything happened. It was a a totally mess. And Jesus went to the cross. And later on, sorry, before he went to the cross. Before that, he went to this courtyard. And Peter comes along. And someone says to him, hey, I know you. I know you. You are with this bunch of uh, followers of Jesus. And Peter says, No, I'm not. And then the other ne- a few minutes later, he says, I know you. You speak like them. No, 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 I'm not. Yes, I know you. you. I've seen you with them. No, no, I don't. And at that very moment, at that very moment, the alarm goes off and Peter looks in into Jesus' eyes and he remembers. Just, just imagine the pain. Peter's heart absolutely broken. A few minutes before, he was saying he would die for Jesus, and now he just denied him three times, and he run away. What does he do? Runs away because he has hurt someone. He has offended someone, and he runs away. And now we can fast forward to the resurrection. After that, Jesus is walking at the beach, and these guys are in the, in the boat. And what happened? Uh, Someone says, Hey, look, it's Jesus over there. And what does Peter do? He he doesn't hide. He doesn't go under the nets and say, Oh my goodness, there is Jesus. And I just did. Or or he jumps the other way. You know what he does? He jumps. And you know, Michael Phelps, right? The American swimmer. Peter starts swimming like that guy, like if he was going to win gold. The boat's over there, and he. Like in the movies. And he goes to the beach and he falls at Jesus' feet. Because he understands what it is. Real love. He's not running away now from him. He's running towards him. So Jesus, when we understand what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is. And his love. And his sacrifice. Then we run to him. And not from Him. When you were praying this morning, Paul, and and you said that, I thought, yeah, that's what it is. When we understand what Jesus is saying here, I'm the true vine, and I will do what you cannot. I will be what you cannot. We run to Him, not from Him. Today, Jesus has reminded us that no matter who we are, the things that we have done, we are welcome. We just need to believe and run to and make a home in Him. Number three, love, obedience, and joy. So we've seen that Christ is the true vine that we can expect to be pruned because God's is serious about growing us at the image of Christ that He wants us to make at home in Him forever. Let's read verse 8 and 9, actually, 8, 9, and 10. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I, I, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, in you and that you, your joy may be Sometimes we can read this text wrong, and we can read it like, "Okay, if I obey, if I obey His commands, then I'm going to be loved. Then I'm going to remain in Him." We can become legalistics. Again, this is from Bruna, and I, I think I just, I, I just love it the way he puts this. As well, listen to this: If you want to keep My commands, if you want to keep My commands, you will be making your home with me. It's not obeyed my commands so you will love me, but as you grow in your love for me, you will obey my commands because you want to. How amazing is that? You see, Christian faith is not do so you might be love. It is love, therefore you will do. Probably some of you are wondering, what is that thing doing there in the pulpit? Let me tell you a story, it's something personal, that I have never, ever shared with anyone else. I grew up in Latin America, and I'm sure this doesn't happen here, Liam is all excited about to you know what's going on. <laughs> but I grew up in Latin America, my mom did absolutely everything for me. I thought, at some point, I thought that our house was magic, because no matter what I did, everything went back to normal. (laughs) So I thought, well, there you go. Let's far forward some years, and I got married with this wonderful woman here, and I just kept living the same way I was living, right? (laughs) Went for a shower. You can imagine after the shower. Okay, it's all good. There. Go to my business. Suddenly this wonderful voice is Carlos. Yes, my love? Carlos, come come here please. (laughs) What's that? If you're newly married or single, thinking you know, thinking about marriage, guys, I tell you, that is a trap. (laughs) What's that? A towel? A towel? And uh, my, my love is just like, oh, yeah, well, I know it's a towel, darling. But look, there is a, a, a basket there. And you pick up the towel, and the towel goes in the basket. Okay, not there, in the basket. Oh, I thought that basket was to play hide-and-seek with my <laughs> one-year-old boy. Anyway, another one that I just absolutely love. It's like I used to go up and down the house. We don't have stairs in my house in Honduras, but here we got several things. And always was like a massive pile of clothes in the stairs. But I, I was just, you know, went, went in. And when I was going down, I was going down and thinking. And that happened several times. And once I made a mistake of going towards Becky and I said, why are you always putting clothes on the stairs? It's really difficult to go up and down. And she was. She was like, "No, I want you to, to know, to know what I'm want you, f- you know, to do with those things in the art. Oh, so you put you it in purpose, yes? <laughs> well, tell me what you want me to do. No, I want you to know. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me, please. Tell me what to do. I just, I just love that. Anyway, I know you probably you're thinking, I can, I can, you know, I feel that you're thinking, where is this guy going with this really sad story?" Well, I do have an application. After 18 years married with this woman, I can say with my, heart, with my hand in my heart that I never ever drop things on the floor anymore. That I now, if I see clothes in the steps, you know, I can really tell by the height, the colors, the order, and the texture to which room I need to take that thing on. And I'm not here just to brag how well trained I am. I got point. The point is, the point is, and going back to what we just saying here, that now I don't do these things because I believe that if I pick the towel and I put it where it belongs to, I'm going to love Becky more than I love her. Actually, I do these things because... Because I love her, that's really what I wanted to say. Because I love her is why I do those things. You see? So this is, this is what Jesus is saying to us. Just love me. Just love me. And you'll be able to follow my commands. What we see happening here is love in action. We are called to work and grow on love, Jesus, the love of Jesus Christ. I will try to finish Soon, so we have time to respond. So, what do we do? What does that mean? What, how do we do it? Okay, we need to fill our lives with things that are going to lead us to love Jesus more. You know, in the same way to cut things out of our lives that are going to distract us loving, loving Jesus. Um, I, think, I think for all of us, those things include praying all the time. The more you pray, the more you talk to Jesus, the more you're going to love him. Reading the Bible, soaking his words, the more we stay in his words, the more we're going to love him. But apart from that, we're all different. Some of us like really deep conversations, some of us shallow conversations. (laughs) Becky reads the devotional books at 6.30 in the morning. Can you believe that? No way I'm reading a devotional at that time. We're totally different. My time is 1 p.m. in my lunch time. So we're all different. This morning I was looking at the birds through the window. And you know, just looking at those beautiful little birds, I'm thinking, Oh, Lord, I just love you so much. You're creating those beautiful creatures just for me to enjoy while I'm having a toast. So we all have different things that actually lure us into loving Jesus a little bit more. That's what we need to focus on. And actually, uh, f- fairly quickly, just to get rid of the things that distract us. What is distracting us? Television shows that are actually making us numb. You know, we actually enjoy things that hurt the Lord's heart. We need to pay attention to what we do. So let's focus on loving Jesus. Loving Jesus. Let's finish with verse 11 fairly quickly. It says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, this week, uh, actually two weeks ago, I received this beautiful box from my work um, with lots of treats inside. Chocolates and uh, soap and a small towel and and a book. And the book says, um, fine uh, help, help to Find Pockets of Happiness. That's what the book was about. And I was thinking, oh, pockets of happiness, right? So every, every page was like, do this so you can have a little bit of happiness today. Do that so you can... And that is what the world is actually leading us to, to find a little bit pockets of happiness here and there. So I went to Google, and I uh, googled the difference between happiness and joy. And I, find, I found the Lexham bible dictionary and they says that actually it turns out that they different Okay, uh, one is worth of pursuit and the other one is not. Happiness is actually fragile and can be affected by uh, external situations. You know, I don't know if you feel this, but you sometimes we wake up and the birds are singing, uh, the, the sun is outside and you, and you feel like dancing, right? You feel like dancing and you're all so happy. And you know, you have your breakfast and your kids are having a run and suddenly breakfast is gone, you go into your car, there's a lot of traffic, you're <laughs> late for work, happiness is gone. You're stepping up a piece of poo out of a dog and, you know, you, you, happiness is gone. Someone didn't accept your f- Facebook friendship request and your happiness is gone. So, little things like that can really affect your happiness because happiness is based on external circumstances. But joy is actually built on internal and ultimate spiritual realities. And I'm just going to finish soon here with this what are those spiritual realities that we need to grab hold of That I belong that you belong to Jesus and he belongs to you just say it every morning I belong to Jesus he belongs to me I can make I can make and have a home with him how wonderful is that he is what I will never be that God of the universe is serious about my joy And believing that He has us in in His hands. And that He is for you. And that He will make a way. And that He has done the things I could never do. And that I can make a home in Him. I already said that one. The fruit will come as a consequence of my union with Him. I don't need to worry about what kind of fruit I'm doing. It's a consequence. So can I just say, if you are here thinking... Yes, I am a Christian already, but I'm so exhausted, trying to do more, do better, focusing on, the, you know, what's the right thing. I don't even know what the right thing is anymore. Just let me say something. Christ has become what you cannot become. Christ has done everything that you will never be able to. So just run back to him this morning and say, Jesus, I just want to make home in you. I just want to rest in you again. If you are here and you never experienced the love of God, you're not Christian. You know what? This is, this is an offer for you as well. Jesus is saying, I'm here with my arms open. I just want you to believe in me. I want you to come and make home in me. I want to delight in you. I want to welcome you. Don't let it go. Today is your chance. You just need to run to him, not from him. Guys, There is no safer place to rest and remain than in Jesus. Shall we pray? Let's stand. Jesus, you are just beautiful. You are lovely. You are wonderful. And we just want to say thank you for your words. You have reminded us that we don't need to thrive to do anything to impress you. That you are just up there, you know, being proactive, inviting us, even before we, you know, we, we even turn to, to say, oh, I want an invitation. No, you are proactively inviting us to come to you. You want to welcome, you, welcome us all in your arms. You want to love us with unconditional love, that no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, we can just run to you and not from you. This morning, yeah, Lord, we just want to say I'm sorry for the things we've done, but, but we want to just, just fell at your feet again like Peter did. Jump out of the boat and just run towards you and just be welcome again and just be able to rest and remain and make a home in you. Jesus, help us with that.